0: October 15, 2020, it's a watch for Pedro show. What for Peter? Show we started the show with I should say Happy Wednesday, middle of the month. uh, uh, Epistrophe, not the whole thing. The recording is incomplete. Carnegie Hall, 1957, year I was born. John Coltrane, with uh, by request from my guest Thelonious Monk, and then following that, Human Hearts was still in air, which is uh, the band led by my guest for today. Franklin Bruno welcome aboard
1: Hey great to be here
0: <laughs> You're all loud compared
1: to the- <laughs> Okay all right sorry I'm turning down a little bit Uh Yeah no thanks for thanks for playing that I I asked you to play some Monk because like the way that train is your guy Monk is is kind of my guy because uh probably because I uh, I played piano for a long time before I even Picked up a picked up a guitar, so those those tunes, uh, some things like Epistrophe and Well You Needn't, and uh, are, are things that I've been playing or trying to play or messing with or trying to understand since high school. Uh, so,
0: well, I want uh, like to hear some of that. You probably know this, but nine months that John Coltrane played with him were very important.
1: Yeah, it was like right after Miles like fired him temporarily, and. Well,
0: what uh, happened, uh, Yeah, the way I understand it, I mean, there's a Quincy Troop version that Miles talks about. Yeah, Monk is actually backstage after a set where, I guess, John Coltrane nodded. And mm-hmm. Miles socked him. Mm-hmm. And Monk said, Miles, you shouldn't have done that. John, you want to come play with me? And in those nine months, the first thing he did was get off the shit. Mm-hmm. Right? So that house in the... 33rd Street in Philadelphia, cold turkey, two weeks, and uh, does nine months, and then goes back with Miles, right? They do a Europe tour, and then after that, he goes on to his other band. But he was always grateful musically to Miles very much. No, no bad words, John Coltrane. But he said he learned a lot of stuff from Monk, too. One interesting thing in an Augusta Bloom interview maybe a year after. Yeah, what was it like? You know, did you watch him dance? Well, you know, that was the time when I would solo, right? So I never got to see him dance. But one interesting thing he said, they would place a song in a minor, and no one had ever hit the third. Kind of implied, right?
1: Well, that's kind of funny, because there's this thing that goes around, uh, I've seen it a couple times, Herbie Hancock talks about um, uh, being bored with the way he was playing himself when he was playing with Miles, and being kind of frustrated, and Miles telling him at one point, uh, "Hey, don't play the butter notes." And he didn't explain what he meant, but what Herbie Hancock decided he meant was that like the third and the seventh were too easy because they identify the yeah. they identify the chord. So he started avoiding the third and the seventh. And Herbie Hancock says that like this this transformed his playing and and freed him up. And uh, and he doesn't know if that's really what Miles meant, but it's kind of the same thing. Like if you don't play the third, then is it a major? Is it a minor? We don't, we don't know. You have a little bit more, um, you know,
0: that's, that's space. That's what I was going to say. It, it kind of takes away the ambiguity if you plant those intervals. Anyway, we're getting probably a little, <laughs> yeah, we're getting, uh, intellectual about
1: something. Start, start, on, a, start yeah. on a technical note.
0: Let, let, let's go back though. Let's go back yeah. before you, maybe even before you knew how to talk, Brother Franklin, your earliest musical recollection please
1: right well i guess there's i guess i would say two i'm not totally sure but probably two things first of all i grew up uh out in the inland empire in like upland claremont uh both sides of my family are um italian american and big extended family we had a lot of big parties whenever there was someone had a major anniversary or birthday or saints day you know, like, like sometimes 30, 40 people would get together at, a, at like, you know, someone's house or a hall and, and, and weddings and all these things. Anyway, the point is very often live band uh, at these things, like just playing, you know, maybe um, swing standards or I remember a, I remember a band that would be at a lot of these parties playing like things like Leroy uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown and Satin Doll and True. Ipanema. And um, uh, Rolling on the River, for some reason, was like a big thing for like casual bands, uh, as they call them, to play for those kind of gigs. So I remember those like from a very early age. So so seeing some kind of live music. And I also had, you know, an uncle who would show up with a guitar and sang like Bye Bye Blackbird and things like that. And also my dad always played uh, piano, like since he was a kid, Uh, basically standards just from chord like lead sheets, you know, um, or sheet, uh, from, from commercial sheet music, uh, you know, Gershwin or Harry Warren or stuff like that. So I, I grew up with someone playing the piano in the house and he also wrote songs never, never professionally, never did anything, uh, with it. I think he had some ambitions like in the 50, like when he was in college, but, um, th- like, so the idea that someone would write their own music wasn't even weird. Uh, To me, it wasn't something I had to discover. Oh, somebody, you know, uh, someone makes this stuff up. Right. It was kind of in the house. So there was that. And he was not in any way, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) avant garde or particularly adventurous in his taste. But he did teach me like basic uh, chord formation on the piano. Like, how, okay, here's how you start with any note. Here's how you make a major chord. Here's how you make a seventh chord. And that's what those letters, you know, above the melody means. So I learned that stuff before I even transferred it to guitar or anything. So those were like the earliest musical, you know, things.
0: Jim Croce, Creed's Clearwater Revival.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. There's like a few rock and roll songs that these bands that mostly played standards would play.
0: I wanted to tell you, D. Boone was way into that. When I met D. Boone, the only rock band he knew was Creed. Mm. So your pup, he brought the piano on you. You just didn't jump on
1: it. It was his idea? I mean, I think they wanted me to have some lessons. They didn't care whether I took it super seriously. And I I really didn't. I think my dad and I had the same experience. We didn't gravitate towards playing classical music or or um, or learning, uh, you know, refined technique in that sense. He has his own stories about like his childhood piano teacher and he didn't care about playing this stuff. But when he learned how to play the pop songs of his day, then he got into it my thing was more you know i learned i learned a little bit i took piano lessons my dad didn't give me the lessons uh i there's like you know in our mall there was one of those piano and organ stores i don't think those exist anymore but the malls always had like the baldwin organ you know place and there'd be a couple rooms in the back where you'd get piano (laughs) lessons i took those for a year and i learned basics of reading uh but i didn't like it i you know like you get these simplified versions of classical themes. and It's not interesting and it's not it's not cool either. Uh, and it's not rhythmically, you know, exciting. Yeah. But anyway, I knew enough about I knew enough to, to get into the jazz band in high school and play piano from charts. Uh, and that was fun because like big band charts for for the rhythm section are basically chord charts and you have some room, you know, you're, you're playing the tune. But you're improvising the voicings and you're comping that's another reason i love monk because he's uh it's like okay the solos are one thing but you can always listen to what monk is doing behind someone and that's interesting and it's not necessarily super technical it's just like uh interesting and weird where he play where he places the accents and how he's going to voice that chord and so like i really like that playing in playing in um in a band uh band with people. But that was really before I started writing songs or, uh, you know, picking up a guitar and singing in front of people.
0: What was the first album record you bought with your own money? Uh,
1: probably a comedy record, probably like either a Steve Martin record, or uh, I think I had like one of the Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner 2000 year old man uh, records, but the first and and some seven inches. Like I remember buying Kenny Rogers The Gambler uh, on a forty-five, and yeah, for but, some but reason Franklin, that, I, I asked you for the first. Okay, the first album. A this record. Is weird, a record. My life. It, it could be, a, in the it could Bush be a
0: forty-five. It could be a forty-five. Remember when forty-fives were at drugstores?
1: Oh yeah, that's probably where. I mean, it was either there, or like a licorice pizza or something. Um,
0: the licorice pizza I knew of was Caddy Corner from the whiskey. Uh you know, uh, what was the first gig you went and saw? I'm curious. Well,
1: again, so two categories, like with my parents, I saw Ella Fitzgerald once in high school, um, That's a gig at, the,
0: music at the colleges.
1: Experience. And I always remember her starting with this, a Cole Porter song. Uh, it's all right with me. But then the first, uh, real show I went, I mean, you know, rock, rock show I went to was, um, talking heads before the, uh, it was the Stop Making Sense tour, but like the leg before that, before they started taping it. Uh, but it was basically that that tour. And the thing with me, just like if that seems like a strange thing for like your first concert, I'm an only child. I didn't have an older brother and my parents are a little bit older. So there was no classic rock in the house. I went straight from like like Monk and Gershwin to New Wave with no sticks and uh and Journey or even Zeppelin or the Stones. All that stuff came later for me. I went straight from like the 40s to the
0: 80s. You know what my first gig was? What? It was T-Rex at 1973 Uh, at the Long Beach Auditorium. I want to play flag (laughs) pin.
2: you mm-hmm.
3: so many Bohemians, and not just any, pressed into the gallery that day, surely not the average goers, beautiful people aging under their beret, young, not so young, from sidewalk cafes running like Washington's cultural monolith and leather jackets, hard punk makeup kids, hats of all kinds, dark glasses and beads, pink splattered pants worn at the knees, overall sneakers and Mexican horaches, jumpsuits, tree coats, sweatshirts and no-bras. Camouflage jackets not allowed, bare feet, Smoking pipes even wants to see in this possum peep A Rambo parade, so a little heady I won't say I've known them all already the Last-minute wardrobe, scarves in the breeze Lost cigarettes burned over wine and cheese Art America came to see this exhibit of Modigliani But who is wrapped in, last, in a last review? Sleeps on Independence Avenue His biggest fear, the beepers And motorized street sweepers At the door I point to his head And ask the guard if he's dead No, he says, not really He sleeps on the grates, you see Otherwise his flesh may freeze his belongings were rotten feathers, his bed old pillows and rags, army blankets tethered with bags. I asked him if he was all right. He looked at me in fright. What do you feel in heart about these patrons of the arts? Oh, them? Let me tell you, boy. In his face, I saw my eventuality, ears grown long, replacing sexuality, hair spreading, sprouting from the nose, escaping like nature's terribly brushed painting. Rembrandt wrinkled and wild, he growled. I used to work at Mama's, and very loud, You know what I mean, buddy? The Museum of Modern Art in New York City I was a guard there you catch the rift worked on the graveyard shift under those paintings I used to sleep just like here on this hard street it was at night you see nothing but them and me in the empty museum along about 3am rooms full of masterpieces I used to go to pieces Sculptures would appear in dim light to my rear I talked to the paintings, made love to them, you know Soon left uh, new dots, new lines on Picasso A few more dots on Seurat But I fell in love especially with the nudes of Modigliani I kissed them in all the good places Added pubic hairs, kissed their faces So now I'm part of the show. My loves will outlast me, I know, though my time is spent on the coal cement and no one touches me. I share that with them, you see. When the next wave begins, the old will be
2: seen and your bride will tell.
0: While for Pedro Show. That was a human heart, Brother Franklin's. But flag pin. Then brand new from the garage dog to the Northeast. American Dream Television with Richard Hell, 1975. Live at CBGB with poor circulation. Silver Apples. After that, we lost Brother Simeon last month. Velvet Cave. The Emperor's ice cream out of Brighton with Fritz. Two Z's. Fritz. If it was Italian, Ah huh? Fritz. <laughs> Uh, Obama's Prendin, Keep the Letters. This is a band in D.C. in the early 80s that only recorded, wouldn't do gigs. Kind of new wave, Dan. Someday they'll come and grade me from Charlie Plymouth. Put me there in Cherry Valley. A guy by Voices, Bunko Man. Bob's work on another record. You know, he played New Years, uh, what, 10 months ago? 100 songs, it was like a five-hour gig downtown. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, Thermo Neutral, and this is uh, under your own name, Yeah, yeah, Franklin Bruno. So did you do the thing, uh, well, you already talked about being in the band uh, in school, but high school, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that earlier?
1: No, because uh, that, that was the thing. I don't think I would have been too into marching band because, uh, I mean... <laughs> Jazz band was kind of for the misfits and and the the people who like responded to that kind of military discipline kind of went to the marching band. But the thing was, if you were a good enough musician, like being in the jazz band was your reward. But as a pianist, I couldn't be in the marching band anyway. So I got to be in the jazz band without having to do all of that. So I wasn't like a band kid in that sense. I mean, like I say. I did learn to read a little bit and I read on piano, but that's not how I approached guitar. I, I, I pretty much taught myself guitar from some basic chord voicings. Like I, I, I figured out a few things from books and just kind of went from there. But I have much more, I mean, I don't want to overdo, overdo it, but I'm a more normal kind of semi-trained Oh, well, I get scared pianist. of
0: that word normal. I don't like that word normal. I well, trained. okay, but <laughs> I mean, but like, look, look. look I wanna, could, can I tell you I, this? Yeah. I've had piano people on the show before, and they told me when they were in the marching band, they did Glockenspiel.
1: Yeah, yeah. They didn't make <laughs> me do it. I, I, I know that that was that was like the other thing, but uh, fortunately not. Anyway, all I mean is that you T- can put tell me about your guitar music in, You can put someone else's music in front of me on piano, and I can play it. But basically. I can't really play guitar with anyone except myself.
0: Yeah, tell me about guitar. When did you get your first guitar, brother Frank?
1: Well, you know, I think there was an acoustic. Like I said, my dad uh, wrote songs. And at some point, he thought that he was writing country songs. I don't think he really was. But at some point, he took some guitar lessons. And there was like a nylon string around our house. And uh, at some point, I kind of commandeered it. And I, I learned a little bit. And then a cousin of mine, uh, who was a, a pretty good guitarist, uh, he became a dentist. And after he graduated, he like gave me his first guitar, and which was a, um, a Fender uh, uh, Music Master, um, the you know the single coil, like kind of like a Duo Sonic or a Jaguar, but like kind of a almost like a kids model. Although I think it was full scale.
0: Student. Um, student. Yeah, like a yeah. staying, there was a short neck and a long neck.
1: Yeah, and I played that for quite a while. And he gave, also gave me, like, a. These were probably like 63, 64, these instruments. Uh, and he gave me a, a Princeton uh, that I still have and still use.
0: Amplified.
1: Uh, and that was my first electric guitar, my only electric for a, a long time. And. It's, it's what I recorded the first couple of nothing painted blue records on on mostly and played played live for a long time but you know kind of stratish but but with not as many uh with with you know two pickups
0: well fender is a fender right
1: yeah exactly
0: what was your first band
1: uh I started playing with uh with people in um in high school uh and it kind of gradually settled it turned out that me and the drummer were the were the the ones who kind of stuck with it. Uh, And we both stayed in the area after after high school and I was a year ahead of him. So I went to the Claremont Colleges and I wanted to still play. And he was still in high school and we started playing and I met a bass player. And that's when we took up the name Nothing Painted Blue, which was really the first uh, the first real band. And we played we we didn't try to play like in clubs. We just played frat parties. We were not popular because the frat bands, the bands that like kind of made money at parties at where, when I went to college, were playing like um, sweet home Alabama and uh, cocaine and things. And we were playing um, some originals. I'd started to write songs, but we would play like outdoor minor and uh, sweet Jane and maybe some other velvet, like whatever covers I could figure out. And also, um, Oh god, we would play ak ak ak. Uh,
0: you probably didn't do the Sweet Jane that's on uh, Rock and Roll Animal.
1: No, no, like uh, you know, like kind of fast version, uh pretty basic. I mean, just whatever I, I I'm not saying we were we were good, you know. We were we were getting okay. And eventually, um we made a record ourselves uh like 19 late eight, not late eight nineteen eighty nine. 1989. And we played I did I, I we played our first show off uh not in school. We opened for um uh the lazy cowgirls at Al's Bar.
0: Yeah, Indiana guys, I think.
1: Are they originally? You know you know, Bob, you know Pat Todd and uh
0: Bob Lee and the black gang drummer man, he played with them. Uh-huh. Tell, but tell me about the very first
1: uh nothing painted blue game. Whew, the very, well, it was probably, so, like I said, this was at the, this was at the Claremont College, like, we were kind of nominally a collegiate band, Uh, but it's a weird school because it doesn't have fraternities in the normal sense, it, uh, there weren't big frat parties, but there were these rooms that groups could, Rent out to throw parties, right? So it was probably in one of those rooms, and we probably played just like whatever collection of uh, of covers and a few originals, a uh, few few songs. I was I was writing. I didn't really know where it was going at that point. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think, oh, I'm going to make records, um, or I'm going to I'm still going to be doing this in some form in 20 years. I didn't know one way or the other. Uh, but I think it was mostly because our um, – well, two things. Uh, so, you know, the first show is probably just for a bunch of drunk 19-year-olds, right? And uh,
0: I don't know. I wasn't there.
1: That's yeah, no. Asking. I mean, I think – like, I don't know who else was <laughs> there. Were you scared? Was it a pants shitter? Uh, I mean, maybe – you know, I don't know. I've actually never been, like, super, super scared of – of performing, I think I'd gotten up and played a couple songs solo at different things, uh, and you know we played at parties. My, I don't need like the high school band is 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 uh, prehistory. But I was playing with the same drummer, so you know we'd been playing already for two or three years together. huh. so uh, it ain't it by ain't the time there was nothing painted blue. It, yeah, then it, it
0: that ain't really a cherry gig because you already broke into water playing with that guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're I, at the I, end I, of the we're at the end of, i'm sorry to cut you off but oh, we're, at, we're at the end of the first hour october 16 2020 edition what pedro show special guest franklin bruno hold tight for our two october 16 2020 it's the second hour of the what from pedro show
4: sell pile if you're not gonna give it a chance the packaging's plain it's just an advance my unreleased epic of modern romance the bio may go in the round file the photo get lost in a stack Don't throw my heart on the cell pile I'd rather you just send it back I'm sure that the beats could be faster and fatter The sentiments are pericomos It was no laughing matter to master this platter but I don't send out many
5: promos.
4: So don't throw my heart on the so pile. If you're not gonna give it a spin, you won't get much credit for trading it in. Just think how I'll feel while it rots in the bin. Don't say that I play in the wrong. On the basis of one skipping track Don't throw my high on the sell Lie, I'll just end up buying it back
6: you late night die baby you'd never tell me no you turn me in as you lay in your bed my silky voice baby Most of all, bed I wanna walk through your door Right there in the flesh, I'd stand on your floor You'd rush right to me, you'd give me a kiss Your love wouldn't be, better the thing that I've missed Yes, and I will always. things for free On every commercial It's my face you see No
4: Testify in Panama Step into the time machine So clean and so pure Come out as a libertine Or an entrepreneur There was one injured party To the claim Is there blood skin in the game hung up on the branches of some fruitless endeavor success may come overnight but failure takes forever it's a hard It's a really-
0: well, I'm for Pedro's show. Started hour two off with Cell Pile from the Human Hearts. Sam Bennett out of Tokyo. He's been there 25 years now. Originally uh, Birmingham. Uh, Sun Ra, right? I've always wanted to be on TV. Moose Heart Faith Stellar Groove. <laughs> that meme always cracks me up. And of course, Magic Moose. Spronton Layer. You know about Spronton Layer?
1: Uh, that's uh, Roger Miller before uh, before Burma, right?
0: This is Roger Miller when he was a bass player in Ann Arbor. And I actually learned about this from the Ashton Brothers because his parents were very... They would have parties, his parents, and have young people over there in, in Ann Arbor. Like uh, you, You're right, because Mission to Burma is a a, a Boston band. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Wonderful Rise. Franklin, and he was, like I said, bass singer, but a composer too, Franklin Bruno with Heartbreaking Business. So, uh, what happened to Nothing Painted Blue?
1: Uh, Well, that was the band that started playing, you know, uh, around L.A. uh, And, let's see, like I said, well, Two things. I mean, I think the reason that we did anything uh, or that we figured out how to make a record, actually, like uh, you're indirectly involved because the guy who explained to us like how you put together a two track tape and put tones on tail and this sort of thing was uh, Robert Vodica, who uh, had been at KSBC, had been like at the same school as me and been at the radio station, uh, which I I was at too. Uh, And then he worked as a a label manager. I don't know whether he was working for SST or, or new Alliance formally, but he was there for several years and he was like a production manager, I guess. Uh, and he,
0: he ran, uh, he worked for SST because new Alliance became part of SST. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so like I was still in touch with him and he was kind of like supportive, Oh, you guys should make a record, whatever. And, uh, you know, we did it ourselves. We started our own label. Um, called Jupa records, which was like the drummer, Kyle, I should mention his name, Kyle Brody, still a good friend. Uh, he, his, like his grandfather's nickname was Jupa. Uh, and so we called it Jupa records and we put out our own thing, but it was basically Robert who, who, uh, you know, showed us like introduced us to John Golden. Here's how you get a record mastered. We went to, uh, I don't know if you, you, you know, did this, you go to K disc on Sunset After yeah, Hours, he, he, and he'll do a session. He first, right,
0: for, he ended up there, it was across the street from Club Laundry on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. But he was in the Val before that. I worked with John Gold. He's in Ventura now with his son. Right,
1: right. No, we, we eventually started going out there. I remember that place too, but yeah. definitely the first time we ever mastered a record, you know, an attended session, as they say, was, uh, was you know, actually cutting cutting the, the you know, the, the disc. Well, they call it uh, what? they
0: call it a lacquer. Yeah. yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah. Can I uh, ask you if you know about Nat King Cole Trio recording straight to fucking lacquers that were seventy five dollars in nineteen you know late forties money?
1: Yeah, I don't. I I think a lot of. I mean, that's that's Sinatra. You know, um, these people who they played so much that. Uh, It was rare if they had to do a second take.
0: Well, it it was very expensive if you did. And there's no mixing. When the trumpet solo comes, the guy moves closer to the mic. I mean, it was incredible. And I learned all this from John Golden and stuff. Great, great cats. I love that. Yeah, no, he has great, he's he's great. You know, New Alliance, when I first worked with John Golden, that's when me and Dee Boone and Mark Tamburowich, but by the time you're working with Robert Vodica, it's part of SST because
1: I can't right. do okay. it without him. Yeah. boom. Yeah, want, and, uh, and so he helped, a, he helped a lot, but then, I don't know, long, let's see, compressing like a few years into interview sentences, we, we kept recording some stuff. Our bass player in college left. We found a new guy who also worked at SST, uh, Joey Burns, uh, who... Was in Giant Sand at the time and and you know went on to start Colexico, uh, and we did like a couple records. Uh, I think with uh, Joey him.
0: Joey's from up the hill. Uh, PV he lives in uh, Zona now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for a long time. But want, yeah, he I was, he to was from play. Palos Verdes. I, I, he went I, to I, Irvine.
0: I gotta hold you off here a little bit. I wanna play adultery extra lands. One, two, three, four, one, two.
5: There's a mean streak in the sky on the morning when you come by. Driveway Windows open audibly around the neighborhood. It's an ill wind that does nobody good. And you touch my hand and the sun bleeds down. Ineffective warnings all over the ground. And I'm standing on the same where your husband stood it's an ill wind that blows nobody.
7: us, a sense of disappointment, a broken promise we were given as children. I'm referring not to the standard false promises that children are always given about how the world is fair or how those who work hard shall be rewarded, but to a particular generational promise given to those who were children in the fifties, sixties, seventies, or eighties. One that was never quite articulated as a promise, but rather as a set of assumptions about what our adult world was supposed to be like. And since it was never quite promised, now that it has failed to come true, we're left confused. Indignant, but at the same time, embarrassed at our own indignation. Ashamed, we were ever so silly to believe our elders to begin with. Where, in short, are the flying cars? He judged Jetson.
8: Roy. Jodah oh, Judy. Jen, he's white.
0: Not for Pedro Show, Adultery from Extra Lands, Saito Koji, Touch, Deerhoof, Love Lore 4, they're recording like crazy during this uh, quit Quarantino mode. Amulets, Drift Mirror, Bullets of, or Balloons from Spokanistan, Mr. Ribs. And finally, Colexico. this is one reason. A good Segui with the, the Joey Burns thing here. Jenny too, mm-hmm. your inarticulate boyfriend. Yeah, they do a great version of Corona D Boon song.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I uh Joey is uh I mean he was definitely a better all around musician. I know a, a a more experienced musician when he started playing playing with us and I think it helped get us get us together. Um but our deal with at that point was uh we made some more recordings in california and that got us i don't know if signed is the word but we made a record for coco pop which was a short-lived side label of shimmy disc and uh we we our first time on the east coast our first national tour was we we drove out to noise, New Jersey. Kramer was in, in Jersey at that point and made a record with him in like five days. And we were playing the songs every night on the way out there. So, you know, it was like tight and basically, uh, basically, uh, almost a live record with a few overdubs and that label, that record, you know, kind of like was our calling card to be able to tour and play with people. Um, but we spent most of our time in California. And then after that, I don't even know how, but we we ended up on scat records. Uh, We were uh, label mates with uh, with Pollard and Guided by Voices uh, for a while. We made a couple of records with with them. I don't think we ever play. I I played with them solo. I opened for Guided by Voices solo a couple of times, but I don't think the band ever did. So nothing painted blue and we eventually Joey got like more busy with giant Santa then Calexico and did his own thing. So we found another bass player a guy named Peter Hughes, who's now in the mountain goats, uh, and then we played together, um, sometimes with a second guitarist, sometimes as a trio, uh, for, you know, like probably to the end of the decade in the nineties, I would say was, was our, our run.
0: What's this extra lens?
1: Uh, the Extra Lens is actually me and John Darnielle from The, the Mountain Goats. Uh, and most of it we made... We, when he He's another guy from our area, from the Claremont, Upland area. Um, or Claremont, really. And I didn't meet him until after after college. Uh, but he was just...
0: What, what, what do know. people say there? Does anybody make jokes about Claremont, Montclair? I mean, it's a fucking...
1: Well it is weird. I, I never understood it why there's two towns right next to each now, other. how, and then I was how like are the going,
0: towns are, are the, they're not identically kind of towns? One is one way and one's another way, right?
1: Well, I mean it's funny because they're adjacent. Claremont is where the you know the colleges are. so it has a little bit uh, around that area a little bit of a different but it also has a, a big retirement community. Uh, Montclair, I don't even know why it became a separate township. It's like the town I'm actually from, Upland, uh, used to be part of Ontario, which is just a little bit to the south. And at one point, it was just called North Ontario. And then at some point, you know. I saw some the California jam there. Something.
0: I saw the California jam for $6.50. Uh-huh. I took the bus took the bus from Pedro for $2. People were getting towed on the freeway, right? 10,000 cars were parked on the freeway. (laughs)
1: Was that Cal Jam or Cal Jam 2? Because I remember radio ads for Cal Jam 2.
0: I'm a little less younger than you, Brother Frank. Yeah, I know, I know. So $6.50? 1974, I was 16 years old. It was emerson liking palmer black sabbath black oak ark and saw deep purple with the low singer earth wind and fire they were great uh seals and croft they <laughs> they're terrible is that they're the only it? band to get a fucking encore though and rare earth started it all off look we're at the end of the second hour october 14 no it ain't october yeah 2020 <laughs> Sorry, about that. I'm blowing clams always, brother Frank.
1: All right.
0: Hold tight for hour three. October fourteenth, twenty twenty. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. <laughs> While well, for Pedro Show, we start off the third hour with Nick Cave, the song by the Human Hearts, Crane after that beautiful thing, Pikachu with Makoto, Cairo, the instrumental version, Blue Coop, which has got the bass man from Alice Cooper, and then the drummer and bass man from Blue Öyster Cult, Blue Coop, huh? Angel's Well. I think uh, Albert just put out a new record, and Joe did a few months ago. When he was on the show, Big Heroes. Big Blue we were younger. Finally, giving it away, the Human Hearts. Tell me about the Human Hearts. How'd that happen? Uh,
1: so after, I mean, Nothing Painted Blue stayed together in some form, and we kept playing. Uh, but I was, I went to, I went to graduate school, and I moved into, moved into L.A. And I was at UCLA for a few, uh, few years and I, I was still doing stuff. And I was also making solo records and sometimes the band would play. Anyway, once I got out, I got a couple jobs, like the way, uh, that kind of academia works, like you get a job where you can. So I got a year teaching job in Chicago. So that was when like the first time I really lived outside of California. It was also the first time I lived with my, my girlfriend now wife, like that was a big step. We, she came out with me anyway. I was in Chicago for a year. I knew Nothing Painted Blue wasn't really a thing anymore. I don't really, I've, I, I I make s- stuff under my own name, I'll just call it Franklin Bruno if it's really solo, but I don't like it that much because I don't like people thinking, oh, this is gonna be James Taylor, this is gonna be singer-songwriter. Uh, so I wanted another name. I didn't know how much of a band it was gonna be, but I made one record with people who were in Chicago, some of the people from the Cocktails, um, that year that I was in Chicago. And then after that, I got another job in upstate New York. Uh, and there I already knew more people cause we had toured, uh, toured a bunch and I found a different drummer there again, named Matt Hauser. And I would say the core of the human hearts is really me and Matt. I, my longest relationships have always been with drummers for, for whatever reason. And we played with different people. There've been a couple of bass players. There's a guitarist named Pete Gallup. Um, and we've made two record, uh, like we made one more record, um, and we finished a record. Some of the stuff that you you played that that song you played earlier, um, still in error, uh, and some of the stuff from the new EP. That's from a new record that we made with uh, Mitch Easter in North Carolina. Uh, that uh, we'll see when I can when I can put out the whole thing. But basically, the Human Hearts is me and whoever I'm playing with in New York. But it's gradually gotten to be more of a stable band than I originally thought it was when I when I picked the name.
0: You know about the fall, right?
1: Uh, me and your granny playing spoons?
0: <laughs> well, I heard it was bongos.
1: Oh, uh, bongos, <laughs> yeah. But same, right, same Ma- principle. Ma- Marky exactly. said that the fall was anything, right? Yeah. As long as he's involved. <laughs> if he's there... Yeah, and this is a little. This is a little like that. But you know, I do like. I've heard you talking about like the difference between a band and a and a a, a project or a prod, right? So the extra lens. Well, that was my and,
0: that was my guess. Saying that to me, yeah. it's not a big difference.
1: Yeah, me and me and John Darnielle, when we do an extra uh, lens or glen's thing, uh, that's a project because we have our own main things, and we occasionally come together, and it's like okay, this is the length of time that this is going to take. Um, but Nothing Painted Blue, totally a band. Uh, Human Hearts, somewhere in between. Like, if I used a different rhythm section, I might still call it the Human Hearts, but we, I, I feel like the band has a character and a book. And, uh, you know, like, uh, if I did something completely different, I wouldn't call it, like, if I started writing, you know, uh, soundtrack music or something Or an ambient record I don't think I'd call it the Human Hearts Just because it's me
0: You know who made a big deal out of that Was Ian McKay Yeah, uh, yeah He said Currickey is a band And Egg Hunt was a prod Now I want to play Plot of a Romance
4: Cliché hot of a romance starts when boy meets girl then they take such a small chance give young love a world Pop songs movies and TV all say that's how it should be and I thought I thought you knew we met cute on the landing fair made art and swain with a, a barbed and a Misunderstanding, can't let you pour that flame Real runs out like a shot clock Soundtrack, as as our lips lock And I thought, I thought, I thought you never heard i
0: this edition. Human Hearts, Let It Off, Plot of a Romance, Aloha Screwdriver, the surf guys from East Bay that were on last month, The Deadline, The Ridiculous Trio, these are cats from Chicago that do stooges with sax, tuba, and drums. Kind of trippy power trio. TVI, best song. One chord. People say three chords, fuck it. One uh, Harry Nielsen Lime in the Coconut C7 yeah you don't sometimes need another chord uh, Galacticy Heaven Channel Season 2 LP8 Part 1 these are the, uh McKellen Jared out in Joshua Tree during this quick Quarantino mode 18 albums <laughs> so nobody be sitting on their hands right to do. King Lear was written in a block. Free to Organize, Franklin Bruno for the final piece. And this one, I guess, it's Man Alone, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't even know why I, uh, I mean it, it's kind of a, I don't know, you want to call it a protest song? Fine, right? I mean, or propaganda song, if you like. Uh, it was kind of uh, thinking about the the courts and uh, the 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 different laws that get um, get made against uh, you know to to keep uh, labor actions from spreading and 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 what have you and I just decided to write it in the style and play it in the style of like a Pete Seeger. You know who lived Uh, here a couple years?
0: You know, lived here a couple years was Joe Hill Uh with his brother around 1911.
1: Nineteen twelve. High in the sky. Uh,
0: yeah, the Little Red Songbook. In fact, we had a wobbly hall here that got marched on by the Klan. If you can believe it, we had IWW and KKK in Pedro.
1: Well, I can. <laughs> I, I can believe it. No,
0: because people have this caricature of California, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, there were. Uh, you know, there were.
0: Upton Sinclair was arrested here for read the bill of rights on uh, what we call Liberty Hill. There's a plaque there now. Um,
1: There were, if not, if not lynchings, like, uh, you know, African-Americans getting sort of firebombed out of their homes, uh, out in Fontana also, uh, which is closer to where, where, where I am. There's sort of a, a, a sort of infamous, uh, uh in, incident of that but yeah uh all, all that all there's there's certainly a dark side to the the california dream in all those yeah, respects
0: yeah i worked for an old lawyer he said him and his buddies were at the board with guns keeping the okies out Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the great of wrath stuff
1: yeah and, well that's and, what and, do Raymie is about right uh, right right fontana
0: right. somebody Gave me a bumper sticker at a gig. It said water. Whites are the endangered race in Fontaine. Now, there's probably a Oof. lot of cool people in Fontana, so I don't want to paint it with a weird brush. But what mm, mm, the point was I think there's dickheads everywhere.
1: That's that's true too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So where can, yeah, anyway, you know, where that, can that, people where can people find you? On, on. Where can people find you on the internet, brother Frank?
1: Uh, well, I, I keep, uh, keep uh, FranklinBruno.com going. Uh, there's a few things there. And um, the Human Hearts are on Twitter. I think we played one song. I don't even know if we played a song from the, the EP. Uh, I've put out an EP of, of some stuff that's going to be if, if on the, on the next year.
0: If people go to dot com. They could go to all the mother telephone. Calls yeah, everything receive. else,
1: everything else will right, be, right. be there. And, uh, and what's your and next? I'm, I'm your, easy to find.
0: What's your next plan?
1: Uh, well, I mean, these times make it a little, little well, course, weird. I mean, of course, of course I've been, times. I've, I've lived, of I've lived time. in New York for about ten years, and I do human heart stuff, but I also have been playing piano again more with other people, uh, like um, my friend Laura Cantrell, a great country singer songwriter who plays with great great people and we were doing a lot of a lot of shows um up to this point so i hope that all starts up again i want to get this record this record is mixed but not mastered and i want to either put it out myself or find someone and uh then maybe probably my friends at shrimper in cal in uh in in the in the in the inland empire i still do stuff with them uh and then just see, you know, I'm not really Mr. Home recording anymore, but I I may have to start doing more of that uh, as as this goes goes on because I'd like to, I mean, I have some other songs written and I'd like to like to do them, but it's a little up in the air, I gotta be honest.
0: Okay. big honor for me to have you on the show. Just keep on keep it on. We get down to hand. we gotta play it the best we can, brother Franklin. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on. When you do get thank some you. new stuff, Will you come back on the show and we can talk about it? Happy to. Okay. People, it's been October 16, 2020 edition. Of... No, it ain't. October 14, <laughs> 2020. Keep your powder dry.